Chapter forty three of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter forty three. Is she not insignificant? And now a month went by at Framley without any increase of comfort to our friends there, and also without any absolute development of the ruin which had been daily expected at the parsonage sundry letters had reached mr robarts from various personages acting in the tozer interest all of which he referred to mr curling of barchester some of these letters contained prayers for the money pointing out how an innocent widow-lady had been induced to invest her all on the faith of mr robarts name and was now starving in a garret with her three children because Mr. Robarts would not make good his own undertakings. But the majority of them were filled with threats. Only two days longer would be allowed, and then the sheriff's officers would be enjoined to do their work. Then one day of grace would be added, at the expiration of which the dogs of war would be unloosed. These, as fast as they came, were sent to Mr. Curling, who took no notice of them individually, but continued his endeavour to prevent the evil day. The second bill Mr. Robarts would take up, such was Mr. Curling's proposition, and would pay by two instalments of two hundred and fifty pounds each, the first in two months and the second in four. If this were acceptable to the Tozer interest, well, if it were not, the sheriff's officers must do their worst, and the Tozer interest must look for what it could get. The Towser interest would not declare itself satisfied with these terms. And so the matter went on, during which the roses faded from day to day on the cheeks of Mrs. Robarts, as under such circumstances may easily be conceived. In the meantime, Lucy still remained at Hogglestock, and had there become absolute mistress of the house. Poor Mrs. Crawley had been at death's door, for some days she was delirious and afterwards remained so weak as to be almost unconscious but now the worst was over and mr crawley had been informed that as far as human judgment might pronounce his children would not become orphans nor would he become a widower during these weeks lucy had not once been home nor had she seen any of the framley people why should she incur the risk of conveying infection for so small an object as she herself argued writing by letters which were duly fumigated before they were opened at the parsonage so she remained at hogglestock and the crawley children now admitted to all the honours of the nursery were kept at framley they were kept at framley although it was expected from day to day that the beds on which they lay would be seized for the payment of mr sowerby's debts lucy as i have said became mistress of the house at hogglestock and made herself absolutely ascendant over mr crawley jellies and broth and fruit and even butter came from lufton court which she displayed on the table absolutely on the cloth before him and yet he bore it i cannot say that he partook of these delicacies with any freedom himself but he did drink his tea when it was given to him although it contained framley cream and had he known it 
bohea itself from the framley chest in truth in these days he had given himself over to the dominion of this stranger and he said nothing beyond well well with two uplifted hands when he came upon her as she was sewing the buttons on to his own shirts sewing on the buttons and perhaps occasionally applying her needle elsewhere not without utility he said to her at this period very little in the way of thanks some protracted conversations they did have now and again during the long evenings but even in these he did not utter many words as to their present state of life it was on religion chiefly that he spoke not lecturing her individually but laying down his ideas as to what the life of a christian should be and especially what should be the life of a minister but though i can see this miss robarts he said i am bound to say that no one has fallen off so frequently as myself i have renounced the devil and all his works but it is by word of mouth only my word of mouth only how shall a man crucify the old adam that is within him unless he throw himself prostrate in the dust and acknowledge that all his strength is weaker than water to this often as it might be repeated she would listen patiently comforting him by such words as her theology would supply but then when this was over she would again resume her command and enforce from him a close obedience to her domestic behests at the end of the month lord lufton came back to framley court his arrival there was quite unexpected though as he pointed out when his mother expressed some surprise he had returned exactly at the time named by him before he started i need not say ludovic how glad i am to have you said she looking to his face and pressing his arm the more so indeed seeing that i hardly expected it he said nothing to his mother about lucy the first evening although there was some conversation respecting the robarts family i am afraid mr robarts has embarrassed himself said lady lufton looking very seriously rumours reach me which are most distressing i have said nothing to anybody as yet not even to fanny but i can see in her face and hear in the tones of her voice that she is suffering some great sorrow i know all about it said lord lufton you know all about it ludovic yes it is through that precious friend of mine mr sowerby of caldicott's he has accepted bills for sowerby indeed he told me so what business had he at caldicott's what had he to do with such friends as that i do not know how i am to forgive him it was through me that he became acquainted with sowerby you must remember that mother i do not see that that is any excuse is he to consider that all your acquaintances must necessarily be his friends also it is reasonable to suppose that you in your position must live occasionally with a great many people who are altogether unfit companions for him as a parish clergyman he will not remember this and he must be taught it what business had he to go to gatherham castle he got his stall at barchester by going there he would be much better without his stall and fanny has the sense to know this 
what does he want with two houses prebendal's stalls are for older men than he for men who have earned them and who at the end of their lives want some ease i wish with all my heart that he had never taken it six hundred a year has its charms all the same said lufton getting up and strolling out of the room if mark really be in any difficulty he said later in the evening we must put him on his legs you mean pay his debts yes he has no debts except these acceptances of sowerby's how much will it be ludovic a thousand pounds perhaps more or less i'll find the money mother only i shan't be able to pay you quite as soon as i intended whereupon his mother got up and throwing her arms round his neck declared that she would never forgive him if he ever said a word more about her little present to him i suppose there is no pleasure a mother can have more attractive than giving away her money to an only son lucy's name was first mentioned at breakfast the next morning lord lufton had made up his mind to attack his mother on the subject early in the morning before he went up to the parsonage but as matters turned out miss robart's doings were necessarily brought under discussion without reference to lord lufton's special aspirations regarding her the fact of mrs crawley's illness had been mentioned and lady lufton had stated how it had come to pass that all the crawley's children were at the parsonage i must say that fanny has behaved excellently said lady lufton it was just what might have been expected from her and indeed she added speaking in an embarrassed tone so has miss robarts miss robarts has remained at hogglestock and nursed mrs crawley through the whole remained at hogglestock through the fever exclaimed his lordship yes indeed said lady lufton and is she there now oh yes i am not aware that she thinks of leaving just yet then i say that it is a great shame a scandalous shame but ludovic it was her own doing oh yes i understand but why should she be sacrificed were there no nurses in the country to be hired but that she must go and remain there for a month at the bedside of a pestilent fever there is no justice in it justice ludovic i don't know about justice but there was great christian charity mrs crawley has probably owed her life to miss robarts has she been ill is she ill i insist upon knowing whether she is ill i shall go over to hogglestock myself immediately after breakfast to this lady lufton made no reply if lord lufton chose to go to hogglestock she could not prevent him she thought however that it would be much better that he should stay away he would be quite as open to the infection as lucy robarts and moreover mrs crawley's bedside would be as inconvenient a place as might be selected for any interview between two lovers lady lufton felt at the present moment that she was cruelly treated by circumstances with reference to miss robarts of course it would have been her part to lessen if she could do so without injustice that high idea which her son entertained of the beauty and worth of the young lady 
but unfortunately she had been compelled to praise her and to load her name with all manner of eulogy lady lufton was essentially a true woman and not even with the object of carrying out her own views in so important a matter would she be guilty of such deception as she might have practised by simply holding her tongue but nevertheless she could hardly reconcile herself to the necessity of singing lucy's praises after breakfast lady lufton got up from her chair but hung about the room without making any show of leaving in accordance with her usual custom she would have asked her son what he was going to do but she did not dare so to inquire now had he not declared only a few minutes since whither he would go i suppose i shall see you at lunch at last she said at lunch well i don't know look here mother what am i to say to miss robarts when i see her and he leant with his back against the chimney-piece as he interrogated his mother what are you to say to her ludovic yes what am i to say as coming from you am i to tell her that you will receive her as your daughter-in-law ludovic i have explained all that to miss robarts herself explained what i have told her that i did not think that such a marriage would make either you or her happy and why have you told her so why have you taken upon yourself to judge for me in such a matter as though i were a child mother you must unsay what you have said lord lufton as he spoke looked full into his mother's face and he did so not as though he were begging from her a favour but issuing to her a command she stood near him with one hand on the breakfast-table gazing at him almost furtively not quite daring to meet the full view of his eye there was only one thing on earth which lady lufton feared and that was her son's displeasure the sun of her earthly heaven shone upon her through the medium of his existence if she were driven to quarrel with him as some ladies of her acquaintance were driven to quarrel with their sons the world to her would be over not but what facts might be so strong as to make it absolutely necessary that she should do this as some people resolve that under certain circumstances they will commit suicide so she could see that under certain circumstances she must consent even to be separated from him she would not do wrong not that which she knew to be wrong even for his sake if it were necessary that all her happiness should collapse and be crushed in ruin around her she must endure it and wait god's time to relieve her from so dark a world the light of the sun was very dear to her but even that might be purchased at too dear a cost i told you before mother that my choice was made and i asked you then to give your consent you have now had time to think about it and therefore i have come to ask you again i have reason to know that there will be no impediment to my marriage if you will frankly hold out your hand to lucy the matter was altogether in lady lufton's hands but fond as she was of power she absolutely wished that it were not so had her son married without asking her 
and then brought lucy home as his wife she would undoubtedly have forgiven him and much as she might have disliked the match she would ultimately have embraced the bride but now she was compelled to exercise her judgment if he married imprudently it would be her doing how was she to give her expressed consent to that which she believed to be wrong do you know anything against her any reason why she should not be my wife continued he if you mean as regards her moral conduct certainly not said lady lufton but i could say as much as that in favour of a great many young ladies whom i should regard as very ill-suited for such a marriage yes some might be vulgar some might be ill-tempered some might be ugly others might be burdened with disagreeable connections i can understand that you should object to a daughter-in-law under any of these circumstances but none of these things can be said of miss robarts i defy you to say that she is not in all respects what a lady should be but her father was a doctor of medicine she is the sister of the parish clergyman she is only five feet two in height and is so uncommon brown had lady lufton dared to give a catalogue of her objections such would have been its extent and nature but she did not dare to do this i cannot say ludovic that she is possessed of all that you should seek in a wife such was her answer do you mean that she has not got money no not that i should be very sorry to see you making money your chief object or indeed any essential object if it chanced that your wife did have money no doubt you would find it a convenience but pray understand me ludovic i would not for a moment advise you to subject your happiness to such a necessity as that it is not because she is without fortune then why is it at breakfast you were singing her praises and saying how excellent she is if i were forced to put my objection into one word i should say and then she paused hardly daring to encounter the frown which was already gathering itself on her son's brow you would say what said lord lufton almost roughly don't be angry with me ludovic all that i think and all that i say on this subject i think and say with only one object that of your happiness what other motive can i have for anything in this world and then she came close to him and kissed him but tell me mother what is this objection what is this terrible word that is to sum up the list of all poor lucy's sins and prove that she is unfit for married life ludovic i did not say that you know that i did not what is the word mother and then at last lady lufton spoke it out she is insignificant i believe her to be a very good girl but she is not qualified to fill the high position to which you would exalt her insignificant yes ludovic i think so then mother you do not know her you must permit me to say that you are talking of a girl whom you do not know 
of all the epithets of opprobrium which the english language could give you that would be nearly the last which she would deserve i have not intended any opprobrium insignificant perhaps you do not quite understand me ludovic i know what insignificant means mother i think that she would not worthily fill the position which your wife should take in the world i understand what you say she would not do you honour at the head of your table ah i understand you want me to marry some bouncing amazon some pink and white giantess of fashion who would frighten the little people into their proprieties oh ludovic you are intending to laugh at me now i was never less inclined to laugh in my life never i can assure you and now i am more certain than ever that your objection to miss robarts arises from your not knowing her you will find i think when you do know her that she is as well able to hold her own as any lady of your acquaintance ay and to maintain her husband's position too i can assure you that i shall have no fear of her on that score i think dearest that perhaps you hardly i think this mother that in such a matter as this i must choose for myself i have chosen and i now ask you as my mother to go to her and bid her welcome dear mother i will own this that i should not be happy if i thought that you did not love my wife these last words he said in a tone of affection that went to his mother's heart and then he left the room poor lady lufton when she was alone waited till she heard her son's steps retreating through the hall and then betook herself upstairs to her customary morning work she sat down at last as though about so to occupy herself but her mind was too full to allow of her taking up her pen she had often said to herself in days which to her were not as yet long gone by that she would choose a bride for her son and that then she would love the chosen one with all her heart she would dethrone herself in favour of this new queen sinking with joy into her dowager state in order that her son's wife might shine with the greater splendour the fondest day-dreams of her life had all had reference to the time when her son should bring home a new lady lufton selected by herself from the female excellence of england and in which she might be the first to worship her new idol but could she dethrone herself for lucy robarts could she give up her chair of state in order to place thereon the little girl from the parsonage could she take to her heart and treat with absolute loving confidence with the confidence of an almost idolatrous mother that little chit who a few months since had sat awkwardly in one corner of her drawing-room afraid to speak to any one and yet it seemed that it must come to this to this or else those day-dreams of hers would in no wise come to pass she sat herself down trying to think whether it were possible that lucy might fill the throne 
for she had begun to recognize it as probable that her son's will would be too strong for her but her thoughts would fly away to griselda grantly in her first and only matured attempt to realize her day-dreams she had chosen griselda for her queen she had failed there seeing that the fates had destined miss grantly for another throne for another and a higher one as far as the world goes she would have made griselda the wife of a baron but fate was about to make that young lady the wife of a marquis was the cause of grief in this did she really regret that miss grantly with all her virtues should be made over to the house of hartletop lady lufton was a woman who did not bear disappointment lightly but nevertheless she did almost feel herself to have been relieved from a burden when she thought of the termination of the lufton grantly marriage treaty what if she had been successful and after all the prize had been other than she had expected she was sometimes prone to think that that prize was not exactly all that she had once hoped griselda looked the very thing that lady lufton wanted for a queen but how would a queen reign who trusted only to her looks in that respect it was perhaps well for her that destiny had interposed griselda she was driven to admit was better suited to lord dumbelow than to her son but still such a queen as lucy could it ever come to pass that the lieges of the kingdom would bow the knee in proper respect before so puny a sovereign and then there was that feeling which in still higher quarters prevents the marriage of princes with the most noble of their people is it not a recognized rule of these realms that none of the blood royal shall raise to royal honours those of the subjects who are by birth unroyal lucy was a subject of the house of lufton in that she was the sister of the parson and a resident denizen of the parsonage presuming that lucy herself might do for a queen granting that she might have some faculty to reign the crown having been duly placed on her brow how then about that clerical brother near the throne would it not come to this that there would no longer be a queen at framley and yet she knew that she must yield she did not say so to herself she did not as yet acknowledge that she must put out her hand to lucy calling her by name as her daughter she did not absolutely say as much to her own heart not as yet but she did begin to bethink herself of lucy's high qualities and to declare to herself that the girl if not fit to be a queen was at any rate fit to be a woman that there was a spirit within that body insignificant though the body might be lady lufton was prepared to admit that she had acquired the power the chief of all powers in this world of sacrificing herself for the sake of others that too was evident enough that she was a good girl in the usual acceptation of the word good lady lufton had never doubted she was ready-witted too prompt in action gifted with a certain fire it was that 
gift of fire which had won for her so unfortunately lord lufton's love it was quite possible for her also to love lucy robarts lady lufton admitted that to herself but then who could bow the knee before her and serve her as a queen was it not a pity that she should be so insignificant but nevertheless we may say that as lady lufton sate that morning in her own room for two hours without employment the star of lucy robarts was gradually rising in the firmament after all love was the food chiefly necessary for the nourishment of lady lufton the only food absolutely necessary she was not aware of this herself nor probably would those who knew her best have so spoken of her they would have declared that family pride was her daily pabulum and she herself would have said so too calling it however by some less offensive name her son's honour and the honour of her house of those she would have spoken as the things dearest to her in this world and this was partly true for had her son been dishonoured she would have sunk with sorrow to the grave but the one thing necessary to her daily life was the power of loving those who were near to her lord lufton when he left the dining-room intended at once to go up to the parsonage but he first strolled round the garden in order that he might make up his mind what he would say there he was angry with his mother having not had the wit to see that she was about to give way and yield to him and he was determined to make it understood that in this matter he would have his own way he had learnt that which it was necessary that he should know as to lucy's heart and such being the case he would not conceive it possible that he should be debarred by his mother's opposition there is no son in england loves his mother better than i do he said to himself but there are some things which a man cannot stand she would have married me to that block of stone if i would have let her and now because she is disappointed there insignificant i never in my life heard anything so absurd so untrue so uncharitable so she'd like me to bring a dragon home i suppose it would serve her right if i did some creature that would make the house intolerable to her she must do it though he said again or she and i will quarrel and then he turned off towards the gate preparing to go to the parsonage my lord have you heard what has happened said the gardener coming to him at the gate the man was out of breath and almost overwhelmed by the greatness of his own tidings no i have heard nothing what is it the bailiffs have taken possession of everything at the parsonage end of chapter forty three recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom